Episode 215, guess what? It's Bandcamp Week. We're going to talk about how to get your kids through the Bandcamp experience in one piece. Strap in, here we go. Welcome to Funding the Performing Arts Podcast. Open and frank discussion about supporting and growing the performing arts, such as instrumental, vocal, drama, dance, marching, and pageantry arts. Hey folks, welcome back. This is episode 215, our Bandcamp episode for Funding the Performing Arts Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, lots going on, lots to talk about. And I am aware, painfully aware, that uh, the podcasting frequency has dipped a little bit and uh, justifiably so. It's been a, a weird, wacky, strange, uh, somewhat painful summer. Uh, but all in all, everyone's well and things are going great. It's just that there's so many things to do and uh, so little time to get it all done that uh, we took a little bit of a, uh, a softer approach to our podcasting frequencies. So we're going to be ramping back up as we head into the fall. And my hope is that uh, we can revitalize the approach, not just with our podcast outreach, but also our educational webinars for fans raise. So um, that was a big part of our early stage growth uh, is making some free content available to ensemble directors and booster parents and pretty much anyone around the performing arts that's interested in seeing it go better or do better uh, from a financing, financing, excuse me, and funding standpoint. So this is the Bandcamp episode, and I'm recording this in the morning of August 13th. It's Monday. It is raining sideways here in the Mid-Atlantic, and I just dropped my daughter off for her first day of Bandcamp, and they just do a one week at school. Uh, it's pretty low stress. The days are not too terribly long. It's eight to six. Um, but, you know, obviously, uh, Bandcamp brings about a whole list of considerations that have to be made, not just from a student standpoint, but also from a parent and booster standpoint. So we'll talk about that. But first, we had some big news in the performing arts, the marching arts, pageantry arts world. This past weekend was Drum Corner National World Championships in Indianapolis. And um, it's been a very interesting season as far as Drum Corner National goes. Um, we've seen just incredibly, uh, just 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 approaching sheer perfection uh, from a marching, musical, dramatic movement point of view. Uh, really something to see. So if you haven't been fortunate enough to be able to get out to a show, um, I can tell you that, well, you're kind of out of luck because it's kind of <laughs> over, but um, you can certainly find some of that content available on YouTube. If you go to flowmarching.com, there is some content there that you can access that you don't have to be a member to see. Uh, although, coming right around the corner, we're going to be starting indoor, uh, the indoor drumline, indoor color guard. Um, side of the world begins to ramp up those those competitions those uh, those shows will generally pick up in January uh, but a lot of those groups are going to start having auditions as early as September 
So, um, you know, kids get off the road in drum corps and they're already thinking about, um, are they going to march indoor? Will they march indoor? Where are they going to, you know, where are they going to audition? So that's that time of the year. But uh, in terms of finals week, championship week at Drum Corps International, it was crazy. And Fans Rays actually had four uh, world-class drum corps compete uh, as part of the world championships. Uh, the Seattle Cascades uh, made it as far as preliminaries. They did extremely well. Uh, I had a I didn't get a chance to see them in person this season, but I did get a chance to watch them on stream through Flow Marching. They ended up finishing just outside of the top 25, and the top 25 groups um, uh, were able to perform uh, as part of semifinals. So it goes prelims, which is pretty much open to every every drum corps that wants to uh, that wants to compete, and then the top 25s go to semifinals, and then the top 12 go on to finals, which is Saturday night this past Saturday. Uh, so Seattle Cascades they finished 27th, just outside of the uh, the cut line for, for semis. Our friends at Genesis Drum and Bugle Corps, they finished 24th. So they got in uh, to semis, had a chance to play another night, and uh, watched them on stream as well a couple times this season. A lot of growth in their program. I know they had some transition as far as their instructional and design staff, and um, they really made it work um, not just functionally well, but, but um, from a performance standpoint, they really took... They took some lemons and turned it into lemonade, uh, which was which was awesome to see. So I know that those kids worked extremely hard uh, throughout the the winter and the spring into the summer. Uh, just some real interesting stories throughout uh, the top twenty-five. Spirit of Atlanta, another fans raise partner. Uh, Spirit finished just outside of the top twelve. They they were so close to making finals. In fact, watching them, I think I saw them a total of four times this year. Um, live and on stream and their show was really really good in fact I, I was kind of surprised they didn't make it into the top 12 um, they finished just uh, like a point or so outside uh, our friends at the Crossman uh, finished 12th and I thought they could have easily been a little bit higher um, you know probably not my favorite show that they've done but it was performed really really well uh, you can definitely see that there was a lot of uh, intensity, a lot of drama behind what they were trying to do. Um, but, you know, Spirit and Crossman, in my mind, those two those two drum corps are actually linked uh, forever. Uh, there's a story, I might have this wrong, but the story as I've heard it or I understand it is there was a, um, there was a situation back in the uh, early 80s when the spirit of Atlanta and the crossmen were leaving one town, driving to another town on their tour buses and spirit of Atlanta's equipment truck was, was, was behind the buses. The buses had gone on ahead with the kids and the equipment truck was going to show up maybe an hour or two later. The crossmen were behind spirits equipment truck and there was an accident and the equipment truck was involved in an accident and horns, drums, equipment was scattered all over the highway. And as the crossmen came by, um, you know, some of the instruments were damaged, but some weren't. And the story goes that uh, the core director from the crossmen actually saw all of these instruments being gathered up by the highway patrol. And they stopped the buses, got out and said, well, what are you going to do with all these instruments? Like, oh, we're going we're gonna to throw them out. 
So the crossmen immediately poured out of the buses and saved uh, just about every bit of equipment they could uh, from the Spirit of Atlanta and stuffed it in their buses and traveled on to the next town, uh, met up with Spirit of Atlanta, gave them their equipment back, and I believe whatever couldn't be salvaged, they borrowed equipment from the crossmen as much as possible for the rest of the tour. So um, Spirit has always uh, been obviously very grateful to the crossmen. And there have been times, especially throughout the later 80s into the early 90s, where the two corps were very, very competitive. And when I marched, um, I knew of that story. I didn't really understand it. Um, I knew that they were a rival drum corps and I wanted to beat them every night. <laughs> but, um, you know, some, some of those older traditions that um, escaped some of the, uh, the handing down, like the tribal legend uh, as uh, the drum corps evolves has been really brought back and i know spirit and crossman get together on the road every year uh the kids hang out they do uh they do a combined uh horn line uh masked brass they call it and they play some stuff together it's really cool and actually at the banquet spirit of atlanta's member banquet they give out a spirit of the crossman award every year so getting to know some of the folks from spirit of atlanta as a crossman alum in working with them at fans race has really been uh, pretty cool. Uh, and that is definitely a program that's pointed upward. So uh, the Crossmen, um, we worked with their indoor wins program uh, over the wintertime, their indoor uh, WGI group. Uh, but yeah, obviously as, a, as an alumni of the Crossmen, I'm, I'm very interested in what they're doing and how they're progressing. And then all the way up in seventh place, the Cadets. So another one of my former uh, teams that I marched drum corps with. Uh, my co-founder uh, also aged out of the cadets a uh, long time ago. And, uh, you know, we're uh, hitting actually his son uh, aged out of the cadets this summer playing trumpet. So, um, you know, congratulations to the cadets for really taking a, a, a difficult winner uh, with some transition in leadership, you know, losing their core director and um, having one of our friends, Scott Litzenberg, former Fans Race customer and band director at Unionville High School. Scott took over the cadets as core director and just like they they just took off and had just a wonderful summer. So they finished seventh in the world. Uh, the top five would have gone Santa Clara Vanguard uh, winning first place, Blue Devils in second, uh, Blue Coats in third, Carolina Crown in fourth, and Boston Crusaders in fifth. So it was any one of those shows could have really easily won. Uh, Santa Clara swept, I believe, just about every caption except Color Guard, which went to Boston. So it was pretty wild. It was a, it was an interesting, uh, interesting night as far as finals go. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of moving around, but you definitely saw a continued emphasis on, uh, on, on thematic uh, design. Uh, from a visual and an audio standpoint, lots and lots of electronics, lots of props, lots of things that weren't just scenery, uh, but were actually functional to the show. Ramps. Um, the Blue Devils actually made uh, the the famous painting of the um, the people in the diner window called Nighthawks. Um, the Blue Devils actually made a diner on the field with you know stools and counter and windows and the whole thing. It was really neat. So. Um, there's definitely some some real innovation taking place. I can't wait to see what you know some of the bands of America, uh, even U.S. bands, like some of the, the the top level band circuits around, 
for high school marching band. I can't wait to see what kind of influence, uh, you know, trickles down into the, uh, the marching pageantry world uh, this fall. Should be a lot of fun. So, all right, um, moving on, uh, just a little bit of Fans Rays update. So right now, as I record this podcast, we are just shy of 9,000 site sessions for the month of August, uh, which is amazingly high. I'll give you an idea, at this time in July, we were at 1,500, and right now we're sitting at 9,000. So um, I remember thinking, wow, it'd be really cool if we had 10,000 sessions by the end of August. Uh, and we're at 9,000 now, uh, not even halfway through the month. So um, what that, that that's being driven by a few things. Number one, sessions uh, would qualify as any visit to our domain. So that's uh, blog visitors, that's people consuming content, people listening to the podcast. Um, you know, the podcast is fed through our site. Uh, also, it's, it's also donors. Um, and it's also blog visitors as well. And on the blog, we were in the low 100s in terms of blog visits this time last month, and we're at about 4,500 or so this morning. So um, the I, it, it's being driven by a few things. Number one, it's the time of the year. Uh, it is also, uh, we're, we're doing a little bit of Facebook promotion as well on some blog articles. We're making a lot of new friends, and we're getting some folks that are, are jumping into the platform, bringing their their organizations into fans raise are looking for a better way to raise chunks and chunks of money. Uh, and, uh, I think we're, we're definitely in a position to help a lot of, help a lot of kids be successful this, this fall and, uh, the rest of this year. So that's really cool. So, uh, site updates, not much new in terms of features, uh, and, and feature releases. We've done some continue to, to fine tune some things under the hood, uh, in terms of performance, in terms of things like email deliverability, in terms of member communication, just trying to be a little bit more efficient. Um, we're doing some some pretty cool things with some videos. So um, we're, we're continuously feeding students that are a part of a campaign help videos or suggestion videos in terms of how to get the most out of their donor base. Uh, again, our campaigns are a little different than the traditional garden variety GoFundMe campaigns in that they are structured and they are guided and they are, uh, there's a certain member expectation in that, let's say a marching band signs up to do a fans raise campaign. There's a certain expectation that uh, the students will participate and they will put a little bit of effort into thinking about how they can engage with the campaign. Um, so it's less of an optional fundraiser in a lot of cases, although some groups do make it optional. Um, and not mandatory, but um, you know that's completely at the discretion of the band director or the organization that we're working with. Um, we are definitely heavying up on content right now that is really driving, um, you know, how to how to do the band booster or band parent thing better out to our groups. And um, one of the things that we have in the works right now is an ebook. Uh, it's actually a whole content centered based around marching band and adjudication and allowing boosters and band parents that maybe have never marched or never performed to better understand how this activity is judged. Uh, and I think that one of the things that we forget about quickly is that if you're going to take your band out to a contest and you're going to go out to a competition and compete, 
you're opening yourself up to uh, having a third party come in and look at your group and then somebody's got to be better than the other band. So you have first, second, third place and, and, and so forth. And when you really look at, there, there's two sides of this. There's the functional side of judging and how it works and how the captions work and how a judge actually does their job. And our, our ebook content is going to dive into that a little bit. I've done some judging. I'm going to engage uh, and in the process of engaging with some friends of mine that are still judging in the activity and going to, uh, you know, bring them, uh, bring some of their expertise into the ebook as well. But there's also the philosophical side of, you know, you're, you're dealing with a very subjective uh, activity. And it's similar to, in some ways, of, of, of figure skating, where you have a certain set of skills that are being displayed by different skaters and different competitors in different ways. They're using different music. They're using different costuming. They're getting in and out of transitions for different, uh, 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 different skills uh, very differently. And if you have a band that comes on and plays a very straightforward literal interpretation of an orchestral work and then you have another band that comes on right behind them and does something very light and very uh contemporary and de very um you know uh very emotional yeah it, it like you can you can have apples oranges pears grapes and bananas all lined up next to each other and then you have to put a number down to compare them and it's just very very difficult to do so yeah, it, it's it's a difficult piece of content to write, but I think it's an important one. And I'm about halfway through it, and I'm, I'm pleased with it to this point. Um, but I think it's going to be one of those things that probably is just I'm going to continue to play with. Uh, but I'm going to shoot to have that out by the end of August because come September, some of those early marching band shows start in September. So I really envision this being uh, a primer about competitive adjudication available to boosters and parents, um, you know, before the kids hit the field uh, in September. So there's that. All right. So this is our Bandcamp episode. I haven't talked at all about Bandcamp, except that uh, we had an early AM uh, drop off this morning for my daughter for her Bandcamp. So, you know, I, I recently just released a blog article on uh, on this topic, and it really was talking about how to survive band camp and how to help your kids through the, the experience. And I think there, there's a couple of different ways that groups approach band camp. Um, I think every, every group looks at uh, every director and I, I can speak for a moment from the band director point of view. When I would go into band camp, it, it, there's a couple of things you're trying to accomplish. Number one, I, the obvious one is the show. You want to try to get as much of the show done as possible. And, all summer long, there are vacations, there are um, distractions, there are kids that are in or out, there are kids that told you they were going to join and they, you know, they bail. Um, you're trying to get numbers to your drill writer. You're trying to um, make sure that those trumpet players that you thought were going to be in the band that are your first trumpet players, you're going to have enough kids on that top part to, to really write write the range you want to write? Um, are you going to have the woodwinds capable enough to play the runs you want to write? 
Um, you know, what kind of numbers are in your pit and in your drum line? What kind of level or, or, of arrangement are they going to get? So a lot of the, by this point, all those questions should have been answered. And if you're still trying to pin those pieces down this late in the game, uh, it might be a tough year. But fortunately, or hopefully, I should say, um, a lot of that's been handled to this point. So number one, the goal is to try to fight the elements, fight the heat, fight the rain and thunderstorms, and try to get as much of the of field time as you possibly can, learning dots, learning some degree of choreography. Um, the color guard is always behind. <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot of times the work has to be written uh, on the go once the color guard designer actually sees where the kids are located on the field and how they're transitioning from one position through another to the next one. It's, uh, it, it, and color guards typically struggle early season and visual scores tend to lag a little bit because uh, a lot of times groups come out, come out on the field and the color guard's incomplete. So the game is trying to get as complete a production as possible. Uh, maybe you don't have the closer in yet. That's okay in a lot of cases. Sometimes you get a timing penalty, other times not. Depends on your circuit. But um, mainly what the other, the other side of this is really it's a grow-up process. A big part of band camp is having kids come together and gel as a group. For the first time, you're really going to get a sense on what your drum major, your drum majors, uh, your section leaders, your captains, uh, you know, what they bring to the table, how they interrelate with their sections. And you're going to start to see this under some degree of pressure where it's now there's an accountability. So the, the thing that's really awesome about the, about the marching and, and pageantry arts is the accountability angle of this. So every student that's out there on the field has a set of responsibilities that they have to cover. And it's not as if it's a football team or a baseball team or a basketball team where you have the ability to put subs in from the bench and take a rest. Like when you're, when you're a marching band, like you're marching a spot and it doesn't matter if you're a, a brand new rookie eighth grader or you're a senior or the, you know, what your level is, everyone's got to contribute. And that's one of the beautiful things about this activity and that is that you see if you have a, a, a child that is 13 or 14 years old, maybe even younger, um, geez, my band last year, we marched a couple of seventh graders in some key positions. Now, they were the right seventh graders. They were pretty mature and advanced, and they had older siblings in the band, and they knew exactly what they were getting into. And also the parents were the right parents that really – thoroughly supported those kids. So they had older brothers and sisters that have been through it. They've been hanging around the band. They're in seventh grade. Band director says, hey, want to grab a horn? Want to grab a bass drum? <laughs> so I think we had three or four seventh graders march in our, in our uh, program last year. And they did really well. Um, but you really begin to see what a, a 13 or 14-year-old kid is capable of doing. So there's, there's a big process that takes place. And it's as much physical as it is emotional. So we've got a couple of hints here in terms of how to help your kids keep it together through band camp. And I think number one, you probably have received a, a, a glut of emails in terms of packing lists or 
things to bring to camp. And, and like a lot, if your program is anything like ours, um, you're definitely going to need to stay on top of that email. It's an easy thing to sleep on. Um, even like some of the weird stuff that's like, oh, Wednesday we wear pink uh, for, you know, I think it's the Mean Girls movie. On Wednesdays we wear pink. You know, what, what, like Monday is Americana Day. Everyone's got to wear red, white, and blue. Like you'll get these weird oddball spirit themes. Uh, and your band may not do anything like this, but mine does. But it might be something different. So just stay ahead of the curve and you're going to, if the emails aren't coming to you and they're coming to your child, do what you have to do to get on that email list or make sure that you're completely aware of what's happening. Um, you're going to get plenty of uh, a packing lists in terms of like water coolers and sunscreen and hats and comfortable shoes and binders and plastic sheets for drill. Um, that stuff's pretty easy. The sneakers are a big deal and I'm, I'm a, I, I've found this out the hard way in my marching career. If your feet aren't happy, then you're not happy <laughs> when it comes to long rehearsal days. Um, on a given day, your your child will be walking, marching, running miles uh, in the course of a day. If you put an Apple Watch on them or some sort of step counter, you'd be amazed what they do. Um, so getting the sneaker thing right is key. Uh, and Bandcamp is definitely not the time to break in new sneakers. Although most running shoes now, uh, and I really like running shoes because they, uh, they're, 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 they're fairly, they're less clunky than cross trainers, uh, and training shoes and the uh, running shoes. I actually think that the more modern marching, uh, marching performing shoes that the kids wear and as part of their uniform, they're getting lighter and they're getting more flexible and they're actually, made more so to run in. So uh, I think running shoes are a pretty good parallel. And they typically are pretty flexible and don't need a whole lot of breaking in. So make sure they fit. The one thing I think a lot of uh, kids neglect is the whole sleep and nutrition thing. Now my guess is that your kids will come home, they'll come through the front door after rehearsal. Um, Now this is if it's a a band camp that is at home, meaning you're practicing in your own stadium or your own rehearsal space and you're dropping the kids off in the morning and then picking them up at night. Um, I think that these long days, these active days, especially with kids that have been couch ridden all summer uh, or maybe just hanging out at the pool and not doing a whole lot of activity, uh, maybe playing a lot of Fortnite, I don't know. Um, but the sleep thing, they're going to need more sleep than they're used to. And, you know, the, as soon as they come home, lay out stuff for the next day, they should hit the rack and they should try to get as much sleep as possible because their body's going to be screaming for it. Um, the nutrition thing as well is 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 key. And I think that the, the less sugar, um, that because the, the energy spikes up and down, metabolically with just you know eating a lot of sugar you want to stay away from the energy drinks please um but lots of hydration lots of complex carbs lots of protein um you know even something like pizza pizza is fine in in a lot of nutritional senses um yeah there's some fat in that cheese and there's some carbiness in the uh in the crust and stuff but hey you know what 
It's a pretty complete food when you think about it. It's easy to obtain. It's pretty cheap. The kids will eat it. And as long as they're not sugaring up with a lot of candy or trying to do something uh, artificial as far as uh, energy drinks or five-hour energy or something like that, monster, um, just try to keep them as far away from that as possible. Um, The other thing psychologically, I think that um, you might get, depending on your child, you could completely get different responses from them when they come through the door. So you might get a kid that comes through the door full of energy and pep and he's hyped up and wants to talk about his day and what happened. And that's, that's likely. It's also as likely, possibly more likely, that they come through with that 30-mile stare on their face like they just saw, <laughs> like they just came out of a, a bombed-out village somewhere. And they're, they're just like, they don't want to talk. They don't want to engage. They just want to go into a dark room and be somewhere quiet. And part of that is the sheer amount of information that has just been downloaded into their hard drive in the course of a day, how to stand, how to hold their horn, where to go, how to get there, what to play, how to play it, um, you know, what choreography they need to know. It's like your brain is completely fried. And it would be like as a grown up, if you think about if you start a new job, and you go through the new higher orientation process and you go through training and you just drink from that fire hose of new information for a week or two. Um, it's similar to that, but they're doing it out on a hundred degree football field uh, in less than ideal conditions. And they're carrying a heavy instrument and they're doing something they've never had to do before. Um, that's one thing that we often forget if you've got, especially if you've got ninth graders or eighth graders that are coming into the activity for the first time, you can get a, a student that's like an all state level player, a really, really accomplished musician for their age. You put them on a football field and you have to make them go left, right, left, right with their feet. Um, it is very humbling and can be very frustrating, especially for some of these high achiever students that are really accustomed to mastering everything that they do quickly. This is a process. Some kids take to it right away. Some kids, it takes time. So I think supporting them through that frustration and that stress, it's natural. Um, You're going to get some days where it's, I want to quit. I don't want to do this. And you have to realize as a parent that you have an opportunity here to try to get them through that, those tough spots. Also remember and this might be hard for some of you to, to really comprehend if you haven't actually been a part of a marching band before. Um, we talked about the accountability and we talked about how every member on that field is responsible for pretty much the same music and the same drill and that same level of, of uh, accountability. Well, if you get a, a student that just quits, that just doesn't like it or just it gets hard, it becomes really easy to uh, just sort of, of go along with that and say, oh, okay, you can leave. But what you've now done is create a situation for the other 150 kids on the field where there's now a blank. And maybe that band has an alternate they can plug into that hole, but probably not. 
So now the kids around that blank now have to learn, relearn new spots on the field. They have to learn new dots, new drill. Um, it changes everything. So really what this is, it, it's, an, it's an educational opportunity for kids to do something. It's, this is probably going to be the most difficult physical, mental, emotional thing your, your child has ever tried to do. And if they achieve it and if they, they stick it out and get through the tough parts, you're going to have, you're going to have a young adult on your hands that can do just about anything they want to do. And I think that's just one of the most overlooked things about the marching activity is what are we really doing? We're setting our kids up for future success. We're teaching them that things in life that are worthwhile, that are worth having are hard. They're hard as crap. And you have to kill yourself sometimes to get the things that you want. So get them through camp. They'll survive. They're not going to die. And, you know, it, 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 it should be a transform, a transformational experience for them. Even if they're juniors or seniors and have been through it. Every year is different. Every show is different. Every staff is different. Um, and that experience, like you could, you could march four or five years in high school, depending on your program, and you could have five completely different experiences, which I think is, is a beautiful aspect of this whole thing. So I, I think what you're going to find is that if you can impress upon your, your child, you got to stick it out. You got to do it. You got to do it for the kids in your section. You got to do it for the, you know, the, every kid in the band, they need you. You got to show up. And that level of accountability is rare. And I'll be the first to admit that there are going to be some parents in your program that are probably not going to be on that wavelength and they're not going to get it because they've never done anything like this. This is this could be the hardest thing <laughs> that your child or you have ever tried to do. Um, but you're going to have a, a, a kid that, that's a high achiever and a rock star on your hands when they get through it. Uh, I promise you, you will be impressed with now it's not about the music and the drill and the and the flags and the the effect and everything of the show it's not about that it's about what we're creating in our kids so that is really the um i think the the, the core uh the core fundamental uh theme that we're after here is we're we're not just creating art through music and movement we're, we're creating better people down the line and it might take a year or two for some of those maturity uh, aspects to show up but when they do you're going to be really impressed with the work you've done as a parent which is what it's all about so um the one thing that all bands all high school performing ensembles require is funding so as you're moving through band camp if you are active in your booster group or your band parents association and the topic of fundraising comes up if you're not thinking about doing a crowdfunding campaign, you really need to think about it because I can tell you that there's so many things that you're going to do as a booster in terms of selling cookies and candy and pies and light bulbs and wrapping paper and all that. Guess what? Nobody wants that stuff. I mean, they'll, they'll buy it. They'll buy it just to make it go away and be nice. And you know what? I'll be honest. You're going you're gonna to have to do that stuff anyway. And you'll make a little bit of money at it. But if you really are interested in, you know, what if you could just add $10,000, 15, 20, $40,000 to your budget right now for your band parents association, 
Think of all the cool things that your band director and your staff can do with that. So head over to fansraise.com, jump on our blog, check out the how to help your child survive band camp. And then all the way down at the bottom, there's a link. And it's our $10,000 blueprint. You should go check that out. Download it. It's a free download. And it's a, it's a blueprint template on how to put together and plan a crowdfunding campaign. You can use FansRaise. I'd love it if you did. You can use GoFundMe. All right. But you're, you're just going to be aspects of that experience that are going to be missing for you. But we are the only crowdfunding platform that's been built specifically for the performing arts. And uh, I think you'd be happy with the outcome. So, all right. At this point, we're going to shut down this episode. I hope everyone survives Bandcamp in one piece. We're going to be coming up with some upcoming episodes that are going to be entertaining and fun. We're going to get back to the interview format. Uh, so you have another voice to listen to ex- other than mine. So uh, I hope everyone has a happy and successful band camp. If there's anything we can help you with at FansRaise, you can email us at info at FansRaise.com. And uh, we will talk to you then. See ya. See ya.